fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past Read that comes to life. Hillbillies with a knack for everything that goes bump at night. Overthinking if you by yourself, these two will have you turning on the lights. Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right. Hey, welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now here's your hosts, Jerry and Tracy Paul, Heather Dog Ninja, and sometimes their cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey everyone, this is NFL linebacker Avery Williamson, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 325 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, like always, we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants of our allied forces all over the world, no matter which country you represent, thank you for all that you do. We appreciate you guys so daggone much. We can't tell you enough. We pray for you all every single day. Thank you for having our backs and so we can sleep at night. Absolutely. And also, we want to remind people that there's a lot going on in the world right now. It's a lot that uh, people are concerned about, whether it be price of gas, whether it be inflation, whether it be the job market, whatever the situation is, there are a lot of people right now that are struggling for various reasons. And we want you to know that we have a safe place for you. It's the Hillbilly Horror Stories group. If you just want to jump in there, you can even uh, talk to people anonymously now with the new uh, uh, facet that they have where you can post anonymously and you can get some support. You can contact Tracy or myself if you just need to talk to somebody, you need to vent. I know I was speaking to somebody at 1130 last night and uh, I know they felt better when we were through. That's good. It makes me sleep a little bit better knowing we were able to help somebody right before we went to bed. But there's just a lot of, of things that people need to talk about sometimes. And it could seem minor to some people, but what seems minor to you is major to other people. Absolutely correct. You can also call the new number. It's 988. You can also text 741-741. But somebody is there for you guys. Just please reach out. You're not a bother. We want to hear from you. We'd love to listen. Yeah, and it was the same thing that the person I talked to last night. I hate to reach out to people because I feel like that that I'm bothering them. Trust no, me, never. that's that's your mind playing a trick on you. Yeah, trust me, that's not the way that people see you when you when you ask to talk. That's correct. All right, Tracy, this is the story that we did earlier today at Bobby Mackey. So if you were at that show, you are not our target demographic at the moment. You've already heard <laughs> this, but. It usually comes across a little different when we do it in the studio as opposed to doing it live. So it'll be it's a little bit different. So I wanted to do a bunch of shorter Kentucky stories rather than doing one long story for the live event. So we're going to jump right into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. This first story we covered in less detail in one of our uh, bonus episodes last week. But I wanted to revisit it today and give it a little bit deeper scope from what we got last week because it's a really cool story and i thought we really didn't do it justice and most people didn't hear it to be honest with you because it was one of our shorts okay all right this is the john rowan monument now john rowan was one of the most prominent politicians that ever represented the commonwealth of kentucky he was a state judge 
He spent seven terms in legislature. He was a U.S. senator, a Kentucky secretary of state, and a chief justice of the Court of Appeals. Dang, he was busy. Yeah, he did a lot. All this from a man who moved to Kentucky for health reasons. No kidding. Yes, but this was when he was very young. You see, he was a sickly child, we'll say. His parents felt that the drier Kentucky air would be better for him, so they moved to Bardstown, Kentucky from Pennsylvania. I didn't realize we had drier air. I didn't really think we did either, but apparently we did. I guess compared to them, maybe so. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> he would eventually study law in Lexington. He married Anne Lythe in 1794. In 1795, he started construction of his family estate known as Federal Hill. Now, here's a fun fact. Most of you kind of know about this house already, and you probably don't even realize it. And that is because after a visit to this home, John Rowland's cousin, Stephen Foster, was inspired to write My Old Kentucky Home, no which was based on the John Rowan house. Well, how cool is that? So if you've ever heard the song My Old Kentucky Home, that's the house he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. John Rowan was a very wealthy and accomplished man at the time of his death on July 13th, 1843. He was interred Stupid in the Bardstown Cemetery. But before he died, he made it extremely clear he did not want any type of headstone or marker. And he had a very logical explanation for this. You see, neither of his parents had received a headstone or marker on their graves. Therefore, he felt that it would be disrespectful for him to have one. He came from very humble beginnings. Well, I mean, I understand and, that. And even though he had a lot of money, his parents didn't, and he felt like that they didn't have one, so why should he have one? Yeah. He felt that his beautiful home was a monument enough to be left behind. Oh, that's very nice. Well, his friends and family didn't abide by these wishes. Oh, please. They felt that a man of his stature deserved the best. So shortly after his burial, his body was exhumed and moved to the Rowan Family Cemetery, also known as Federal Hill Cemetery. Then a tall obelisk monument was placed on top of his grave. Before the first week had passed... The monument fell over. Mm-hmm. He disapproved. He, he obviously disapproved. So they call in some stonemasons to repair the stone. Well, the masons were surprised that the stone had just fallen over to begin with, but they blamed it on tree roots or settling ground or something. They fixed it, and then they assumed that they would have no issues moving forward. But less than two months later, they were back. The obelisk again had fallen over. So you could imagine rumors were starting to swirl around the neighborhood. Several workmen refused to work on the project going <laughs> forward. The monument was again fixed, only to topple over shortly after, this time right on top of the grave. Oh, he means business now. So if you think the Rumors of John Rowan's spirit being involved were swirling before. Now they were running rampant. After all, the stonemasons knew that John Rowan did not want a monument, especially one this elaborate. 
So they were convinced that John Rowan himself was the one who was toppling the monument. Many obviously refused to work on the stone, therefore cemetery caretakers had to take over the duties of repairing the stone. And supposedly, this is still an issue that they deal with even today. And get out of here. So. He, he's probably in his grave saying, do you not get it? Do you not understand? Do you, I mean, hello. <laughs> I would think after like 150 years or so, or whatever it's been, 170 years. He would years, just let it go? Yeah, I'd be like, I'm kind of tired of this. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm sure the people are kind of tired of having to fix it all the time. I mean, 170-year-old ghost pushing around a heavy stone monument. <laughs> Hey, I meant to mention this earlier, but after we get through with these stories, I have a really cool interview with Wes Forsythe from Scarefest Radio. Oh, nice. Yes. And he talks a little bit about the, because uh, next weekend we will be at Scarefest in Lexington. So I wanted to get him on the week before to talk a little bit about some of the people that are coming out. Of course, Robert England's coming there. Lance Heinrichson mm-hmm. will be there. Love Lance. Love Lance. Oh, good, good. But it'll be uh, fun. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah. So, but he's, he's going to come on and he tells us some, we talk about the, uh, what we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. Okay. We're going to be talking about the Raw Opera House. Ross Opera House. I'm not I was sorry. going to say Raw. The what Raw. kind of name well, is that? Well, it's spelled R-O-H-S. And, oh. But it's Ross is what it is. The Ross Opera House. But we're going to talk about that. And Wes has some insight to there because he lives in Cynthiana where that place is. Oh, so dude. I wanted him to tell me about his time in dealing with the Ross Opera House. And as a matter of fact, this article that uh, I got some of the story from actually mentions, not Wes by name, but... His uh, paranormal group back in the day was I Hunt Ghost. That's what the name of the group was. And they mentioned him. And I was like, hey, cool. I'll get Wes on the oh, show. Oh, that, that's awesome. That worked out well. Right. All right. So we're, this is the perfect lead in, which is why I brought it up. But Tracy, obviously, Bobby Mackey's is considered one of the most haunted places in all of Kentucky. It makes lists all over the world as top haunted in in the world. In most people's consideration, it is the second most haunted place in Kentucky. What do you think the most haunted place is on these lists? Uh, That's easy. Think about it. Waverly? Waverly. What do you think number three is? Um, This should be easy. It should be. Bardstown? The Ross Opera House. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do well with easy. (laughs) My little brain can't handle it. All right. So the Ross Opera House is in Cynthiana. And Cynthiana is about 20 miles north of where we are in Lexington. The Ross Opera House was built in 1871. And today is the oldest running theater in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. How come we've never been there? I don't know. I keep telling everybody we talk to, literally, who is, is from this state that talks paranormal, all talks about how haunted the place is, and that's where they get the best stuff. Everybody. And it's literally 30 minutes from And here. we've n- never been there. Well, that's goofy. So anyway, it was built in 1871. It's the oldest running theater in Kentucky. They still show movies and plays, and they do a variety of other types of shows. They do mm-hmm. a lot of paranormal investigations. They do a Cynthiana Ghost Walk and stuff that, mm-hmm. that all is affiliated with all that. So pretty cool. Anyway, here's a fun fact. Cynthiana is the home of Robert Kirkman. Do you know who Robert Kirkman is? No. He is the creator of The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. I don't watch that, so I would not know that. They have a big Walking Dead festival there every year in Cynthiana. But there is also a tie-in to the Ross Opera House. See, the back of the Opera House 
has painted on it the world's largest Walking Dead mural. Oh, that's straight cool. Straight across the back Oh, of I want to see that. Yes. But back to the Opera House. It was built by Herman A. Ross, spelled R-O-H-S, and his son, Carl. And those of you Walking Dead fans know the name Carl. And yes, that's the same where the Carl came from. In oh, there. it is? That's, where, that's why they decided to use the name Carl. That's so. cool. Herman was born in Cynthiana, but he came from German ancestry. He ran a very successful jewelry company prior to opening the Ross Opera House. Now, Carl was born in 1902. Carl has a famous grandson actor by the name of Chris O'Donnell, who you guys will know from uh, NCIS Los Angeles, Sin of a Woman with Al Pacino, Batman Forever, The Three Musketeers, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh The Ross Opera House is said to be haunted by three or more spirits. The most famous of these is a woman in white. Figures. The woman in white has been photographed by many paranormal investigators. Now, paranormal groups such as I Hunt Ghosts, which was Wes's group, captured some audio and video that is seen to show a footage of a man and two children that can be heard giggling throughout the hallways of the auditorium. <laughs> oh, cool. If that's not enough to creep you out, there is audio footage that is captured of a whistling sound echoing through the theater of an unknown voice that says, get out. Yikes. Other witnesses have reported seeing full body apparitions, primarily the woman in white. She supposedly is approximately early 40s. She wears a long flowing white dress. Children's voices as well and adult male's voices have also been heard on numerous occasions. In 2001, the Ross Opera House was featured on an episode of My Ghost Story. A former employee said that she has seen the lady in white a few times, as well as something else that manifests as a mist on the stairs. So I think mist are cool. Mist are cool. Yeah. All right. That's all we got on mist. (laughs) (laughs) The rest is a mystery. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, and we talk a little bit about Ross, like I said, when we get into our interview with Wes in a little bit. So okay, you'll hear great. you'll hear a little more. Good. Tracy, in what? Van Leer, Kentucky. Why you I, keep I saying will say my your name. name whenever I want to. Dang it. <laughs> I usually say it only at the start of different stories, and since there's three or four stories. then In Van Leer, Kentucky, near Paintsville, is the Coal Miner Museum. Technically, I guess the Van Leer Coal Miner Museum. We're going to go all the way back to the early 1900s. There was a teacher from Pikeville, Kentucky, John Caldwell Calhoun Mayo. Nice name. Interesting enough, when he got married, his wife did not take the name, I holding can... the mail. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> anyway, Mayo bought the coal rights to several areas of Johnson County. He said, oh, no, Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> he then sold the land to Northern Coal and Coke, K-O-K-E, I mean C-O-K-E, I don't even know what that was, but I don't know if they had part ownership in Coca-Cola or what, but well, Northern like Coal and Coke, which would soon be bought out by Consolidated Coal Company. Now, this company decided to open several coal mines along Miller's Creek, and of course, 
and they needed a town to be able to put their headquarters in, thus the birth of Van Leer in 1912. So they created the town specifically to have a place to put their headquarters in. Well, that makes a lot of sense. This happened when a director of the coal company, Van Leer Black, that was his name, gave the money to build five miles worth of train track to the new property. So, therefore, they named the town after him. His name was Van Leer Black. Mm-hmm. The next year, the office for the Consolidated Coal Company offices were built. And for years, this was the official hub of the entire town. Everything was right there in this area, in this, this little building. Well, that makes it convenient. It would house the director's offices, the post office, the company's doctor's office, and the company store, along with other little businesses and stuff in there. So, yeah, it was like a big building that had a little bit of everything. We know that many of these mining towns eventually dry up, and Van Leer was not going to be any different. By 1946, the company was going broke. So they started to absolve all of their assets, and then they gave the option to all the residents to purchase their homes. So apparently they owned all the homes in that area and were just leasing them to employees or whatever the deal was. So now mm-hmm. they gave them the option to purchase those homes. Most of the other buildings in town were torn down, but not the office building. And in 1984, Citizens Bank gave it to the Van Leer Historical Society, who then turned it into the Van Leer Coal Miner Museum. The building was 100 years old at this time. As you would imagine, a building that's that old probably has a few spirits chilling inside. Yeah, yeah. Common activity involving apparitions, shadow people, Unexplained noises, including footsteps and voices, were reported on a regular basis. In some cases, even direct communication. Some guests say that they've had the feeling of an unseen child sitting on their laps. Hmm. I wonder where that kid comes from. Museum volunteer Tina Webb says that many have had an invisible hand reach out and grab their arm. Ooh. Yeah, that would be freaky. I would love it. She also has seen a man in the kitchen wearing a ball cap. There's a story of a two-year-old little girl who wandered off from her parents. She was later found in the library talking to someone that no one could see. That's spooky. Yeah, at least she was safe. All of these events prompted Tina Webb to call paranormal investigators. One was told by a female voice, one of these investigators, to be careful when she was climbing a ladder. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, Is that a threat? I don't think so. You remember that time on um, American Idol when they had the guy from Kentucky on there, and then when he was leaving, he said, y'all be careful. And then they all the judges, Simon and uh, Paula Abdul and all, thought that maybe he meant that as a threat because they're not used to oh. the terminology in Kentucky when yeah. people say, y'all be careful. It's just like right. saying take care or whatever sure. and they were like i mean they looked i remember simon looked over with this look like i mean is he threatening us and, <laughs> and then there was like it was on the news and everything and then they ended up apologizing or something or said something on the next show about we didn't understand that was just a dialect down there and yeah so anyways <laughs> so anyway according to an article on uh, Teresa's haunted history of the tri-state area joe clark took a photo that shows a man's face it says according to the article, that Joe Clark says that the museum is one of the most haunted locations that he's ever investigated. 
Well, I know Joe Clark. And when I saw this, I actually wrote Joe and said, hey, what are your thoughts of the Van Leer Coal Miners Museum? And he said, first of all, that the article was wrong about the picture. He didn't take the picture of the man's head. There is one, but it belongs to the museum and they've actually got it there. Okay. So he did correct that for me. Uh, so it does exist and it's there if you want to see it. But Joe said he's got numerous EVPs and one paranormal investigator got a necklace ripped off his neck in front of them while they were there. Ooh. That came straight from Joe. Tag. When I asked him, I said, what are your thoughts on um, the Van Leer Coal Miner Museum? And he wrote back, it's very haunted. <laughs> that's, that's all, all he wrote. I had to say. So then I started asking, but I mean, yeah. So I mean, all I had to say was, what do you think? He said, it's very haunted. Oh, so that would be awesome. a cool place to check out. Definitely. All right, Tracy, we've got the last story. Okay, Jerry. Punk. There have been three incidents of etched ghostly images in windows in the U.S. Obviously, this is a rare occasion. The best known is the lightning portrait of Henry Wells. Have you ever heard of that one? I feel like I have. You have because we, we actually did a shorts we, and mm -hmm. uh, for shorts and giggles, which was a little video thing we did yes. when we first started the podcast, mm -hmm. probably five and a half years ago. Yeah. Don't ask me how I remember that. So, but nobody watched it, so yeah. <laughs> it must not have been. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> too interesting. But we actually talked about that on here, and uh, the other one that we're going to talk about. Well, I want to talk about this first before we get into. There's a there's a local tie-in because all these are Kentucky stories. But I want to tell you about this one first. It is the best known, and it's a cool story. So I won't get into very much detail, but I'll give you the gist of it. This was burned into the upper window of the Carrollton, Alabama courthouse. There's a fascinating story that involved an African-American man in 1878. He was a freed slave who was accused of burning down the original Pickett County Courthouse. And I don't know why it took him so long, but they already had a new one built by the time they arrested him for it. Yeah, that's how long it, it took. Oh, dang, that's a weird. So it took all that time. They, they, they arrest this guy. The town had no jail, so he was locked in the, in the courthouse, the new courtroom. A mob gathered outside the courthouse wanting to lynch him, you know. Yeah. And Wells had vowed that Carrollton would never get rid of him if he was harmed. So on June 29th, 1878. <gasps> My birthday? January 29th. I'm sorry. No, oh. it's not your birthday. January 29th, 1878. He's staring out the window at this mob below. There was a lightning strike out of nowhere. This permanently etched his terrified expression on the window pane. Now that is crazy. Did they believe him after that? Well, I don't think really that really didn't even come into play. He he ended up dying a few months later from something completely different. Also, oh, he well, didn't get to get lynched. Well, no, he didn't get lynched. But they said that he died because he received wounds while attempting to escape. Mm. So, yeah, that's probably sketchy. foul play. But the image is still there today, but it's only visible from the outside. So you can't see it from the inside. But if you're outside, you can see it. In fact, there's even an arrow on the building pointing to it. Oh, wow. Um, so. Did you see a picture of it? Yes. And you could tell? I, th I think so. I mean, it might be a little mm -hmm. up to your imagination, but the story goes that 
through the years, all of the other windows in the building have broken one way or the other, except for that one. That pane is still the original pane, but all the others have been replaced for various reasons. Oh, that's awesome. It's also been cleaned with every type of cleaner possible, but it always comes back. So, all right. So I told you that story only to tell you about a similar incident in Russellville, Kentucky. It's known as the lightning portrait of an angry bather. Now, this actually is fairly close to us. We could get there in 25 minutes. No way. Did you say an angry bather? Angry bather. This one's a little different because the window has been painted over since the 1920s to try to discourage gawkers. But it's a lower window of the Sexton House on the southern edge of town. Oh, and it sits right on the corner of the Maple Grove Cemetery. I'm sure that helped with the uh, rumors. So here's the story. Basically, in the early 1900s, the caretaker's young daughter was told by the parents that she couldn't go to the dance. And she decided that she was going to go anyway. She's going to sneak out when her date got there, but he was running behind. So because of this raging thunderstorm, which was probably keeping him from running behind, she decided to take a bath and wait, you know, get cleaned up. And I guess she maybe thought he wouldn't come in is what it was. It wasn't that he was late. She just assumed he wouldn't come in. Okay. So she decides what? to take a bath. Oh. What do they tell you to do? What did your What did your grandparents always tell you not to do during thunderstorms? Take a daggone bath, or get on the phone, or yeah, or get on the phone because <laughs> lightning strikes and you're. <laughs> Anyways, she's up at the turret of the house, and she's taking a bath. Some people say she was supposedly cursed by God because she was going to disobey her parents, and she's up there in the nude. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Anyway, well, what's she supposed to do? Take a bath with her clothes on? I don't know. Anyway, she this big lightning strike happened. And when it happened, she was struck and killed by the lightning, by oh, the way. Oh, she was? Yeah, this wasn't just like flash. She was struck and killed by lightning. But when she did, her image was etched in the glass. By the 1920s, the story had spread that the house and the window had become a tourist attraction. So, you know, depending on... The account that you listen to, because they, they differ on the etching, some say you could see a full nude body. Some say that it was just her face. Some say you could only see it in the daylight. Others say at night. Yet others say you can only see it during a thunderstorm. So this story now, because you got to realize, I mean, this was the 1920s. And we're 100 years ago yeah. on this story. After the family was long gone, the caretaker got tired of... Like I said, unsuspecting visitors just showing up. And he got up one Sunday morning and he painted the window black. And today, the building is still there and the window's still black. And there's all kinds of different accounts of the story. But, he, you know, almost everybody who had ever seen it has passed away now. Uh-huh. And even the elderly people who had seen it, they claimed to have seen it. You know, they, you know, hey, we were kids and I remember, but I yeah. mean, who knows if it was just a, a folk tale or, or what was going on. But the, the caretaker at one point in time tried to get the, the paint off, was going to go ahead and just take it off because he thought, well, I probably should leave it up. But he, it was so much effort and there were so many different layers of paint through the years that he just couldn't yep, get it he off. He just didn't do it. So we do not know why the boyfriend didn't show up. No. Dang it. No. Or or if the story's true to begin with. So, like many. That that one's more the uh could be what do you call them? Fol- you know, folklore or whatever. Mm-hmm. But 
anyways, that's our Kentucky stories. Kentucky be crazy. And I can't I can't for the life of me remember, and I should have looked it up, where that third etching story is. But there is a third, and we covered it on that Shorts and Giggles, but because we covered all three of them, I remember. Mm-hmm. And, and also, when we covered the one in, in here, uh, back then, it wasn't listed as Russellville, I don't think. It was listed in another town, and I can't think of the town, but when we're coming back from Gatlinburg, right before we get to Lexington, there's a sign that has that that city name on it uh-huh. that i always knew it from yeah but i can't think of that either so so much of my memory today <laughs> all right guys we're, we're gonna, getting old babe. yeah we're gonna take a quick break and then uh we will be right back and we'll listen to west foresight all right so just some quick housekeeping obviously today was bobby mackey's that was our last event of the year next year we're working on some good ones i know uh we're looking at july in buffalo we are looking at august in detroit uh, what do we got going on in September? Anything? I don't know. October is New Orleans. Yeah, let's go say New Orleans. September is Pigeon Forge. Yeah, that's right. With uh, Tony Merkel of the Confessionals. Yes. So it, that'll be a cool show. Uh, all the other shows basically are going to have uh, Rohio and Justin Rimmel. Sounds From great. Serious Circumstances. And I'm working on possibly April in uh, Louisville. So we have a new venue in, in uh, Louisville to try out. So. That's what we're looking at for next year, and we're going to do the cruise. We'll be in July of 2024, leaving from New Orleans. I'm Yay. sorry, Galveston. No, I was New Orleans. Say, no, it's, I New, Galveston. it's Galveston. Mm-hmm. Leaving from Galveston. So, yeah, there's what we got in the works, and as I get stuff finalized, I'll get more details to you. Tracy, what we got going on over there? All right, for iTunes, we have Mojo Lobster, Kay Cummins, AC Lawson73, which I thought that was our buddy. But they live in Knoxville, so somebody totally different. Yeah, we have a different AC loss. We I know. know. They, they live actually in lived in Louisville. Yeah, they lived in Louisville. Now they live in Florida. Yeah, but I guess it's somebody different. And I am so going to screw this last name up, and I'm so sorry. Zaria Lothialian. Loth- <laughs> Something like that. I'm so sorry, honey, for messing up your name. Thank you guys for your reviews. We appreciate y'all so much. Absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and listen to this story from uh, Wes. Uh, I think you guys will like it. You get a little bit of behind the scenes on some uh, convention type stuff. If you guys like going to conventions, he actually has been involved with Scarefest for years and years and oh, years. Yeah. So he's got a lot of knowledge on this stuff. So you get a little behind the scenes, but we also get some cool paranormal stories as well. Hey, guys, uh, this is a long time in coming because I have Wes Forsyth from Scarefest Radio slash Scarefest TV. And uh, Wes, we had this set up probably about three years ago, and I dropped the ball and actually forgot the day that we had to interview. For the record, uh, twice that year, twice. Well, well, okay. Well, it took me several (laughs) years. It took me several years to get the balls back up to ask you to come back on. Uh, We made it work this time, so I'm I'm excited about the first part. At least we're on together. Absolutely glad to be here. I don't hold grudges. I'm I'm. I'm an attention whore. You can't you can't hold grudges in being an attention whore. <laughs> well, I know I've talked to I, I think I actually started talking to your wife before I started talking to you. And this was before we ever had a podcast. I mean, I've we've probably been Facebook friends for 10 years or so. And uh so this all just kind of came full circle, you know, once we got into the podcast and realized that you guys were all into this too. And uh we're gonna talk a little bit about everything tonight. Uh because I'm gay. I've got I got two reasons for having you on. First of all, you are obviously have an affiliation with Scarefest, uh, have been involved for 
a long time. And I want to talk to you about that because we will both be at Scarefest uh, next weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, so excited about that. But then the other thing is we are actually covering on this episode that you're going to be on the Ross Opera House in Cynthiana. And uh, you're kind of the local expert in that area. So we're going to talk about a couple of different things that sure. involve you tonight. Let's start off with Scarefest. Tell me a little bit about uh, your involvement with Scarefest. How long? What exactly do you do? Every everything you could tell me. I okay. I actually I need to actually go back and look and see how long I've been there. Going in one form or another since the second one, so it'd be two thousand nine. Um, but I went a cup one or two years as just when it bought a ticket went in. A couple more years I went as a vendor. To show off my ghost hunting stuff. Um, but I had started podcasting. So I went in. Uh, the, my vendor stuff was, you know, promoting my podcast. And somewhere along the line, um, I got oh, I got fairly good at it. But I was uh, at Live Paranormal. And I, I had launched a show on them called um, the, um, the Paranormal Icon. Which it was basically a podcast about paranormal conventions and the guest and and that type of stuff and i had approached patty and said hey i'm doing this show patty star who at the time owned the Scarefest and started it all i had asked her i said would you be interested in you or whoever sending sending me a guest to talk about the Scarefest once a month and she said yeah that sounds like a great idea so we did that i did that for better part of a year and then the next year, starting the next Scarefest, which I think would have been about the sixth or seventh year of Scarefest, um, she, uh, we got together and we decided to start doing a weekly Scarefest radio podcast. Uh, she had liked what I'd done with it. She likes. She liked the way I treated my guests. She just. Um, I just. I, and I do it all for fun. So. There is where Scarefest Radio was born. It just evolved out of another show. When the Griffiths uh, bought it in on um, Scarefest 10, which was five years ago now, I guess, they um, one of the first things Brandon did was uh, ask me, would you be interested, or could we talk you into doing, is more accurate, the show as a video show? And at first I said, no. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> it's it's a lot harder to do it takes That'd a do. lot more bandwidth it's you know and he wanted to build me a studio a little studio in his in his um lexington office and everything and i said tell you what okay i will put together a studio here and i'll get the proper equipment to do it and the software to do it right and um and from there it just that's how I got into it. And then somewhere along the line, they found out that I knew how to do web design. So I started doing some of that for them. They found out I was uh, a, almost, I'd studied old school marketing. And no, I'm not always up on the current trends, but I do know uh, some things that work. And I now I did study uh, the early, early social media marketing. So uh, they kind of, uh, I started doing a lot of their marketing for them. And then uh, somewhere along the line, and the story is they made me their media director. And the way I got became media director is I showed up for what we call the walkthrough, which is the 
two days before the scare fest where you just come and you uh it's a big staff meeting where we meet and find out uh, what the floor looks like and they walked up and handed me a pile of t-shirts and said you're the media director <laughs> and but uh so yeah it it i've evolved from being a volunteer into being one of the top four people working at the scare fest but um that's that's pretty much my history with them. But yeah, uh, I didn't realize how long it'd been until I had Patty Starr as a guest on the show uh, a few weeks ago. And and she started counting backwards. I said, oh my God, she remembers all this. So let me ask you this. Obviously, Scarefest, is this, uh, is this the 14th year? Officially, the 14th Scarefest. Okay, um, now... We we're still hesitant to uh, count um, the COVID year. Uh, we did a cyber um, event. We did an online yep, event, right. and it crashed and burned. I, I wish we could uh, sugarcoat it, but no, it was trash. Uh, the servers went down. Uh, every, everything that was difficult about it just magnified. Didn't have that many people interested in it. But so yeah, that's that's the story on this. Is the fourteenth one but we've been at it 15 years. Awesome. Yeah. We, we came to our first one as a vendor five years ago. So, uh, which was ironic because, uh, we had Robert England there then, and then this is our next year back and Robert England just happens to be back this year. Um, uh, talk about a few of the, the, the bigger name guests and the events you got coming up on this one. Okay. Now I got my cheat sheet here because my memory, uh, I've been at work all day, but of course, uh, Robert England and he's driving the show this year. There's no, there's no getting around it. The numbers are, we got, we've already got record numbers um, for pre-sales, but Lance Henriksen, um, Love you, um, you remember him from the uh, second alien movie. He's coming, been in a lot of classic horror movies, including Pumpkinhead. Um, of course, Kane Hodder comes every year. I think he's about the only guy that's been there more years than I have. Uh, Robert Patrick, um, um, Terminator 2, the shiny one, the liquid metal one. He's mm -hmm. coming. Uh, so, And that's the top of the of the uh, what we'll call the headliners, if you will. But Terry Kaiser, Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, we've got him coming. We've got just a uh beverly uh, uh randolph from return of the living dead she's always a great guest um, um d wallace it's going to be there friday and saturday from cujo uh so we've got we got the classic horror covered um now i don't want to mess up the boy's name because uh, i don't know him that well but from stranger things let's see here uh, da, da, do, do. And, uh, I don't always have to watch the spelling on it, but you'd think I'd be able to find it quicker. We've got the gentleman on the, uh, um, we'll call it, oh, classic, um, um, the, when he stood and played the guitar on top of the, the mobile home. Yes. We've got the body double, the guitar double, the guy who actually was playing the guitar for that, uh, for the cameras. We've got him coming this year. Uh, Aiden Fisher, I'm sorry, Aiden Fisher's coming, and he's going to actually play that song, Master of Puppets, I believe it was, and another song that he's famous for. Um, he's going to be playing that every day at the con, and he also at the after parties. So, uh, 
And, you know, yeah, I got 65 guests. I could go through this all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what I love about it is, is it really is an event. It, it does bring some of the bigger names and, and uh, it's fantastic. I mean, let me, let me this, ask another question. I, do, I want to point out one thing. This year was our turning point. We actually hit our turning away big name celebrities. Wow. Because, because we're just having, we don't want to cut the pie too, too thin. You know, if you get too many, then nobody makes any money. Uh, you know, there's not enough time in the weekend for everybody to get around and get all their autographs. But we've actually, we've had celebrities, and I'll call them, you know, A-list, B-list celebrities, contact us and say, I'll buy my own plane ticket. It's, it's we've become that much of a force in the industry. Nice. What what decision went into changing the dates? I know at one time it used to be in September, now it's in October. Well, you're asking the good questions, the ones that actually have stories behind them. Um, we always tried to keep it in the Halloween season. Um, usually sometime in September. I think one year we got as close as like the first weekend in November. But uh the year 19, 19. God, 20, 2019. Okay, well, that was the year we uh we had that one. 2020, the 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 year that uh was lost, the Civic Center, the or the convention center was going to undergo a major renovation starting like the week after Lexington Comic and Toy Con. They basically told us, okay, now we're warning you. We're tearing the thing down, but we'll have it done in October. And as our second biggest convention, we want you all to come and we can make it available to you um, the weekend before Halloween. That sounded great. I mean, it was it was worrisome, but they said, no, no, we got it. We've got the you know, it, it will be done by then. Well, then COVID hit that spring and we were, you know, our hearts were in our throats. Are we going to actually cancel this convention this year for COVID? And um, it had come down to we we were 50-50. And I really think Brandon being in the social services industry was leaning towards canceling it. And then I think it was the like first of August, maybe the middle of August. Um, the convention center, he got a phone call from him saying, well, we have to cancel your convention. We're not finished. And they weren't just not finished. The place didn't even have a roof. Right. I mean, it was it, it wasn't it wasn't, oh, we need to do some more drywall. You know, some of the electric's not hooked up. No, this place was a disaster area. So um, so that kind of it took the pressure off of us, but it did, you know, throw a, another kink into the all the planning that had already went into that year. But then we came back. After getting those dates that week before Halloween, we decided, hey, let's try those dates and see how they work out. They're, they're pushing, you know, Halloween a little bit closer than we normally do. The thriller parades that weekend, but let's give it a shot. And so we did it last year and we loved it. So that will be our dates going forward is the week before Halloween. What always threw us off because I, I love to come to the event, but we always schedule a Bobby Mackey's event in uh, October. And it's usually closer to Halloween, middle of the month. Like, like ours mm -hmm. was actually this year. Again, we had it scheduled the same weekend as Scarefest. And it was early enough when I found out the dates of Scarefest that we changed our date. Uh, 
Otherwise, we were going to have three years in a row that we scheduled at the same time. Right. And we would have missed out. So that's that's why I knew that it stood out to me is that, you know, before I, we, we came one time on our 10th wedding anniversary is when we set up the first time. And I can remember that date most of the time. So that was uh, into September. It it has its own challenges. Of course, the Thriller Parade is that weekend. And if people don't know what that is, that is the country's largest Halloween parade. Um, it was on Sunday this year. They're moving it to Saturday. So, um, so uh, it, it it's another big thing going on in Lexington that weekend. But our biggest challenge is the genre we draw, and that's of course the paranormal and horror fans tend to also like haunted houses, and many of them also like haunted houses so much they work in them. And so, a lot of our people that we our go to people um, had to make a choice between us and their keeping their their commitments up to their favorite haunt last year we lost a few this year most of them have worked around it um so we'll have some of those back but we, we always had you know people from uh, uh wicked world they would send actors over for the weekend to dress up be spooky do do crazy stunts and this year now they'll do it part of the day but that night they got to be at work they have to go to the to the haunt so that's you know but once again, we we're working around it, and and uh, it's still plenty of entertainment to go around. All right, so I know most of our listeners right now are like, "Are we going to get to the paranormal stuff or not?" That's you know how listeners are, and I and I don't blame them. So let's get to the paranormal stuff. You started off in the paranormal field, and mm-hmm. uh, we covered tonight uh, one of our little mini stories that we covered was the Ross Opera House in Cynthiana. You live in Cynthiana, as I said at the beginning. You're kind of the resident expert there, and uh, I was doing some some research on on uh, on the Ross Opera House. And one of the articles had mentioned I Hunt Ghost, which was your paranormal group back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this works out perfect. I can talk to Wes about this. So tell me about the Ross Opera House, and and, and you didn't hold any punches earlier. You said. Per square foot. I don't think you can find a more haunted place in the state of Kentucky. I really don't. Uh, the ghosts are mostly friendly. There, there's one guy that, um, uh, there's one ghost. And okay, everybody, okay, here's my disclaimer. This is my own metaphysical bullshit. I can't prove any of this. Uh, there's one ghost there who basically, a male ghost who feels it's his job to watch over all the other girl ghosts. Um, he's not aggressive, but he is grumpy. We call him the grumpy old man. He, um, But other than him, and occasionally, I haven't heard anybody encountering for several years, but a gentleman, uh, let's see, I'll put this, um, committed a questionable suicide in one of the offices downstairs. As in, most people don't think it was suicide, but they didn't prove that it wasn't suicide right he was around the place quite a way quite a while um but i had not encountered him hardly at all that we knew of and i mean we had one evp session that we were was pretty sure was him based on the answers but the reports i've gotten of the last few years said that he's if he's there he's very very quiet now 
but it's an uh, old theater uh, built in the 1850s, somewhere around in there originally, the old part of the building. In the 1950s, they renovated and built on the newer part. of The newer part of the building is 1950s, so it's still a classic old-style movie theater, and um, it, it has all that character, and it has all that history behind it, and it's got a, several reasonably happy ghosts that if you're nice to them will cooperate with you uh, that's that's just how i feel about it and you were telling me about one of the first couple of times you went out there i think you you had said something about if you have any clue what you're doing you will definitely come out of there with plenty of evidence yeah um if nutshell. you're if you're willing to relax and talk to the ghost like they're people not doing the you know you don't have to provoke or anything like that Speak to them like they're little girls, because most of them are, um, and learn to be quiet, to listen for the answers. You will get EVP evidence. Photog photographic evidence, like any place else, I'm not sure they can be photographed when they want to be. So uh, if you're at the right time, at the right place, you might get some video evidence. You might get some photographic evidence. But on the EVP scale, and this place is a theater. The walls are like two feet thick. Um, you're not likely to get a lot of outside sound, uh, with the exception, now about 2 a.m., uh, if it's still there, there was a bar that sat across the street. And a lot of people thought that they had gotten some really great EVP evidence. I said, no, that's somebody cussing their husband out. <laughs> I, I know I know that sound. Um, the And the railroad is close. You'll get every now and then, we, what we always did when the train would go by, we'd say, everybody shut down. Just, you know... <laughs> Do, do stop your recorders this doesn't count i don't care what you think you hear it's a train drop it what do you think makes that place so special um it's like a lot of your other great haunted places it's a cliche railroad tracks close to it the the wiring in that place is an electrician's worst nightmare because basically you know it's it it originally didn't have electricity then it's been added over the years and re-added uh so it's got it does have some things like that but now cynthiana itself i went on just a ghost walk one year with my uh um uh trifield meter and our town under certain um atmospheric conditions actually puts out its own emf field now this uh basically the town is built on a limestone shelf Ask the Department of Agriculture. Six foot under the ground in Kentucky, there's limestone almost anywhere you go. So uh, we got that. Underneath that, there is an underground river. Now, if you don't want to believe there's an underground river, ask the Ross Opera House how their air conditioning works. They pump water down into the ground and bring, or not water, air down into the ground all the way to the river, and it comes up cold. Wow. So, <laughs> so uh you there you know there it's it's just got all the things that people always said you know enhances paranormal activity then you throw in the history it's a happy place if uh i can imagine a a, a ghost uh if if you believe the theory that when we pass away we often seek out the time in life that we were happiest i can imagine a lot of people finding that to be their happy place now, obviously, the the big one there is the woman in white. That's the one everybody claims to see. Is there any any clue as to who that might be? 
that's the most famous one. Um, but honestly, that's not the one most people claim to see. It's the one that stands out the most. So when somebody sees it, you know, they 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 freak they freak out and it's very, very memorable. But I I've talked to Roger about it and we've had some theories over the years about, you know, but in other words, yeah, we could take guesses, but we've never gotten a solid hook on who it is. Now on the little girl ghost, and we're not even sure the lady in white isn't just one of our little girl ghosts. In other words, one of them might appear when they're able to be seen as a lady in white. Because uh, one of them is a presents herself as a teenager. Now, I do want to uh, give you my own paranormal theory here that I don't believe that every little child ghost you encounter is, in fact, a child. But I do think it goes back to that. If they if that's when they were happiest, you know, they can kind of um, move to that position in life, present themselves that way. And that's uh, based on their memory. Uh, it's been called holograms and everything else. But um, there are three regular young ghost and one of them uh presents herself as very young uh little girl probably we our best guess was um five six seven years old one presents herself as an early teenager somewhere between 10 and 13 years old and then the third one does present herself as a full-blown teenager probably 15 to 18 and that's one we suspect people interpret as the the lady in white the cool thing about it from our standpoint is we know all three of their names and as in we got it on on uh tape and then when you call them out by name they're more likely to talk to you and so but now the, if it is if i'm right and that one the lady in white is that third one or if the even if they're not the girl, or the lady, the name that we got for the third one, we've been able to historically research, and that name was somebody very closely tied to the theater. But they died at a ripe old age of like 70 or 80. Once again, goes back to my whole thing, but that's what they wanted to be. That was their memories. You had mentioned something earlier about uh, an EVP that was crystal clear. There was no mistaking. Could you talk about that one? Okay, uh, now technically, I guess this is a disembodied uh, voice, but we um, we had used a uh, shycack. Yeah, that's what they call the 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 scanning radio thing. And the first time I used it, I was a skeptic of it. Now, believe it or not, I you know I wasn't I wasn't I didn't I wouldn't say they I thought they didn't work. I just don't think they work as often as people think they do. But we did a session with one. And we ask the girls to tell us their names. And what we would do is, we, if anybody in the room, and there was five or six of us maybe, heard a name, they would shout it out, and then we would verify it with the dowsing rods. Once again, not exactly scientific, but it did give <laughs> us something to go on. Um, we got the littlest girl's name. We got the older girl's name. But the one in the middle, we just could not get. And I finally told Brad to shut up. You're just guessing now. You're just you're not even listening to what's going on. But when I came home and listened to the audio from that session, the name popped out. And uh, I said, uh, "Well, wow, 
that was clear. Why didn't we hear it? So I went back and the next investigation, I pulled out the shack hack and I said, okay, I think you said your name was Loretta. If it was, I want you to say it again. And now we didn't hear it. We There was five of us, I think, all on camera, sitting around staring at this stupid little ghost box shack hack thing. And uh, we did not hear it. But the camera and the digital recorder laying next to the shack hack picked it up clear as day. And I don't mean, no, kind of, you know, did that say Anna? No, it was like she was saying it to, to make a point. And uh, so we figured it out. And, and now we call her by her name, Loretta, and she's friendly and helps us out. But that's uh, that was my best ever audio. I can show that. That's kind of evidence. I, I said it's my best because I can play that back for a a skeptic, not a cynic. A cynic doesn't believe anything you bring. But if I play that back for a skeptic, they it it falls into that category of well, you had to fake it. There's no misinterpretation. There's nothing you know uh, along that. The the best one I ever got though. Carolyn Doherty, who I adore and love, a great ghost hunter, big time skeptic, though. She said, well, how do I know you didn't project that into the device with your mind? And I'm like, prove that and I'll go home. That's cool. That's as cool as finding a ghost that I can make radios talk. (laughs) So, um, yeah. (laughs) So last year at ScareFest, you were running around in a bunny outfit for at least one of the days. What prompted that? My odd sense of humor. <laughs> um, I want to do cosplay, but I didn't want to do the same thing all three days. Now, I'd created for the show, for my uh, for the uh, YouTube show, I'd created the Tomb Attendant, which is a cheap ripoff of the Crypt Keeper. That's what I did on Friday because I wanted to do, I thought it'd be so cool to do the voice for um, the, the Black Carpet event, but I found out that also ruins your voice for the rest of the weekend, so I'm not going to do that part of it this year. But one day I was I was wanting a costume. I was trying to think of what cosplay would be great to do for Easter. I said, well, Easter, you know, it's got to be a rabbit. It's got to be rabbit based. And then things started falling together in my mind where I went from, okay, it's a rabbit. Jackrabbit. Jack Sparrow was a pirate. <laughs> I made it Jackrabbit the pirate. So I became Jack, a Captain Jackrabbit the pirate. And that's where that came from. Well, it was impressive to say the least. <laughs> he will be and back this year. I was, I was, well, I can't wait for that. So I was <laughs> speaking of the Crypt Keeper. Uh, you actually had him on your show a couple weeks ago. Yes. He's, he's actually come on twice. He, he, he loves, he enjoys doing the show. Um, but yeah, uh, We've had him on twice this year. We had him on early in the season, and he wanted to come on closer to Scarefest to promote it more. And the problem is, um, nobody told me he was coming on. <laughs> so I, rem- I, this- I remember seeing that because I saw, hey, we're we're doing this tonight because I think you had just got back from a trip or something. But you were like, we're just going to cover some of the guests. And then the next thing I saw, hey, we got special guest. Uh, yeah, I think John John Kasur is it his name? The the day and, of uh- the show, I was doing a throwaway <laughs> show. Uh, towards Scarefest, we try to drill things into people's heads, um, news events, that kind of stuff that's going on about Scarefest. 
and I'd already put out the, the artwork on the show and said, this is what we're doing. Well, then I can email from him saying, hey, um, Nicole gave me this date. I'm supposed to do your show tonight. <laughs> I went, oh, good, because um, I'm not going to tell him no, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he. Uh, I said, hey, let's make a gimmick out of this. I screwed up. I took credit for it. Um, it was overwritten on the calendar for the show. So what I did was I said, you know what? I wonder how people would react to you being the co-host. In other words, you're not even the subject of the show. And it actually made for a very good show. I think it made him work harder. We talked about the Scarefest and stuff that was going on, but he would throw in his own anecdotes and, and all this stuff and, and take it. In other words, it wasn't all about him. And it made for, I thought, a very funny and very interesting show. And it was because then he was he was off his normal what he talks about when he does interviews. He he had to reach a little farther to fit things in. And I think I think it just absolutely went great. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. Well, I'll tell you what. Wes, it's it's been a long time coming, but I thought it was a very fun episode, and uh, I'm excited to uh, be able to hook up with you guys here in uh, what about 10, 11 days at uh, at Scarefest. Tell everybody how they can keep up with the actual Scarefest convention, how they can get tickets and stuff, and then uh, follow up with how they can keep up with your show. Sure, um, of course the uh, the main Scarefest uh, website, ScarefestWeekend.com. Now, if you're the type of person that just likes your likes to uh, get your news straightforward, keep up with that. We update it as as uh, events unfold, but it always has your current guest list. Scarefestweekend.com. Now, if you're the type of person that likes the community aspect of it, look us up on Facebook. Just look for the Scarefest. Uh, like our page. Join our fan group. The fan group is tremendously active. Yep. Although yep. now I will say some people do like to post the same question over and over and over. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, but we've got the fan group. Now, as far as the uh the uh YouTube show, that's every Friday night. Now liking that page or following that page, we we uh do a simulcast where it goes out on three different Facebook pages, it goes out on YouTube, it goes out on Twitter, not hard to find. But um, yeah, you can. Uh, our website is scarefestradio.com. Uh, we archive stuff there, and there is a live feed there. But on the archive, I am so far behind because I've been doing other Scarefest stuff. Eh, it's a few episodes behind. Might be easier to find the older one, the newer ones on Facebook. But um, but yeah, that's uh, the fan group. The Scarefest fan group is the best way probably to keep up with everything convention related. All right, brother. Wes, I love you. Glad to, uh, glad to have you on the show. Can't wait to uh, see you in about 10, 11 days, and we'll have a fun weekend. I I hope I have fun. <laughs> you you do tend to run around like a chicken with your head cut off during that whole Last time. year, you, I could not believe how many trips I made across. We have the film festival across the street at Lakes Live, and I must have made 50 trips down that block to go to that theater to make sure the film festival was going okay. I'm going to try to pull back on that a little bit, but during the convention, my job is to make sure everything starts on time. Make sure that um, the entertainers are where they should be, seminars are where they should be, uh, panels, speakers, 
all, all, all that. I, I, I'm not in charge of making it happen, but I'm in charge of making sure it happens. And so, yeah, I do. I, I spend a lot more time just running around the floor than I do at my booth. But after hours, I am the grab a cocktail, relax, and have a good time. Kind of guy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect anything less. All right, brother. I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us this week. Thank you so much for everything you do. We appreciate it, and we'll see you soon. We love you guys. We hope you all have a blessed week. Come see us at Scarefest in Lexington next week. We'll be there Friday night, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday.